Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Special hi to Yoshiko Dart, my great friend, and to all members of the Bender Lead On team. We've got our muchness back, right? That's right. All right, well, speaking of getting your muchness back, we have a really interesting show for you today because I met this young man and we started having a conversation, and wow, I thought, now this is someone I'd really like to have on the show because he's willing to talk about his disability and how it has impacted him and also what other young people go. Uh, Peter Russo is our guest today, an advocate that's going to talk about Asperger's Syndrome and the obstacles you deal with living with Asperger's. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Peter, for those listening to the show throughout the country that maybe are not familiar with Asperger's Syndrome, could you, could you explain that or define that so they'll know what we're talking about? Yeah, it's, a, it's basically a mild form of autism. Uh, its characteristics are an individual who struggles with social relationships, has difficulty understanding others' state of mind, um, uh, for example, has difficulty displaying empathy for somebody else's um, position or feelings because they can't place themselves in their shoes. Uh, they have intense special interests um, and problems with motor coordination. Oftentimes people with Asperger's uh, may appear clumsy. Um, and uh, one of the other hallmarks that, that I've seen is that they have uh, intense responses to stimuli. So, for instance, light, sound, um, anything, touch. Uh, and it will vary in, by individual. There's no cookie-cutter approach to Asperger's. Every individual has different symptoms. Some have more, some have less. Some have more intense uh, symptoms than others. You know, when you were saying about uh, difficulty sometimes even in your reaction or your facial expression, uh, would it be possible then that something serious could be going on but the person looks as if they're laughing? Absolutely. Um, that's actually one of the symptoms that, that I have. And, it, and for me specifically, if, you're, uh, if, if I become extremely nervous or feel threatened, uh, my facial response is to smile. Uh, and people take that as disrespect. 
Um, and it's just the fact that your facial expressions aren't necessarily, when you have Asperger's, a reflection of what you're feeling uh, inside. So people that pride themselves on reading facial expressions may not always work real well when you're working with someone with Asperger's syndrome. Yeah, that's right, and that would carry over, of course, to the job interview, which we're going to talk about that later. But, see, um, when you're in that situation, well, actually, I have a question here for you, because we are on Facebook and Twitter and Bender Consult email uh, every week on the show, or you can call in. But my first question for you from Alou in Alabama is, uh, Peter, when you are in a situation where you have uh, friends possibly at a party uh, or wherever you hang out, do you take time to tell them you have Asperger's so they'll know when you come across it's not that you're just weird or mean? Close friends, people that I spend a great deal of time with, absolutely. Um, and that, that includes friends, coworkers. Uh, you know, anybody, family members that you spend a great deal of time with that you feel comfortable disclosing to because it, does, it doesn't provide an excuse, but it provides an explanation of some of the behaviors and idiosyncrasies that, that uh, they uh, may observe uh, uh, over you. Some individuals uh, do not uh, accept that as an explanation. They find it as an excuse, um, but... Uh, you need to be true to yourself and, and be comfortable sharing that information with others. And if they're willing to listen, proceed to, to share as much as you can and educate them. Well, uh, Peter, for you, mm-hmm. what, what is it like for you living with Asperger's syndrome? Uh, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an analogy of uh, running in a marathon. It, you run the marathon for seven days straight, day after day after day, without a break in between for your muscles to recover. While you're running that marathon, you have to stop at every checkpoint and smile for the crowds. You have to stop and you have to speak to those crowds, and then you continue running. About halfway through that race, uh, your sponsor contacts you to tell you that uh, they're dropping you. So now you have the anxiety associated with it as well. Uh, Now you have anxiety, you have exhaustion, and the fear of the unknown. And the the race never ends. And that's what it's like living with Asperger's. It's the best way I could describe it. Well, well, for you, for example, when you say all of a sudden someone comes to you and says, we're dropping you from the race, what do you mean? Give me an example of what you mean. Um, you're chugging along. People with Asperger's like, like things planned, like that foreknowledge of what's going on. It provides, in a, in a world for which they have extremely little understanding, uh, it provides a comfort level, uh, having that control about what to expect and, and uh, what to look forward to. When something hits you out of the blue, uh, that world is shattered, even if it's only temporarily, and you need to quickly uh, be able to pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and uh, reformulate a new plan. Someone with Asperger's doesn't always have that ability. Um, The planning goes in the foreknowledge, not in the reaction to the event. So, for example, a person could be at work, and they could have been told to work on a project that would be going on for six months and told exactly what to do. We'll say it's in the IT area, 
and the person is doing the job, working on it, and all of a sudden they pull the plug and all the work they've done is over and they're not going to be able to move forward as they had planned. That would probably be an issue. That would absolutely be an issue. And uh, for employers, the best way for them to handle that situation is to not just all of a sudden announce this, but ease the person into the decision that's been made. Um, help the person along into where they need to be. And that, that may mean spending a little bit more time with an employee who has Asperger's rather than someone else. Who maybe you just pop into the office and say, hey, we're cutting this project. You're moving over here. It may mean a day or so of prompting and, and easing them over into the other situation um, and providing them as much background knowledge so they can formulate it logically. Uh, people with Asperger's like to have logical explanations for everything. So providing them the background so they can formulate that logical explanation helps them along as well. Um, a good example uh, of something like that, even even more simply, my my wife, um, when she when she calls to me to come help with the kids, her her thing is I need help and I need help now. Uh, well, if I'm in the middle of something, I'm not able to just drop it because I can't switch gears that quickly without my, my anxiety level and my stress level increasing significantly. So her approach is knowing that she's going to need my help, hey, I'm going to need your help in five minutes. That allows me to create a logical stopping point in my mind for whatever I'm doing and they'd be able to go help my wife and transition easily. Just that five-minute transition period allows me to, to plan it. Mm. So, yeah, I get it. So instead of just saying, do it now, it's, hey, Peter, I'm going to need your help in about 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that's good. That's a good explanation for people. So, uh, see, this is what the problem is. People don't understand Asperger's syndrome, just as they don't understand my disability, epilepsy. But they even, you know, less sometimes understand Asperger's because they see the behavior, but they don't know why the behavior and and that's why I think this show is so important today, so that those living with uh, Asperger's syndrome or that have a child or a friend um, or whatever the situation is, even if you have a disability, I always say we need to understand other disabilities. And, and I really think this is important to talk about it so you know Peter is being a national advocate by speaking up and talking about his own disability, which I give him kudos for. If you just joined us, we are talking to Peter Russo, a national advocate, an at national advocate for people living with Asperger's syndrome. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Dot com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter and our discussion of Asperger's Syndrome. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, if you just joined the show, welcome. We're talking to Peter Russo an advocate for people living with Asperger's Syndrome. As all of you know, I'm a woman living with epilepsy, and I tell people, talk about it. Get out there, talk about it. Remember, when you talk about it, you not only educate people without disabilities, but you help people with disabilities stand up, speak up, and not be ashamed. So, Peter, you were alluding to earlier that many people with Asperger's syndrome have social difficulties. And I mentioned earlier one area where this really can be an impact is in interviewing uh, for a job, mm-hmm. especially assuming the employer does not know you have Asperger's syndrome. So with your background, can you talk a little bit about this and possibly offer suggestions to people going on an interview? Yeah. Uh, one of the big things for most, and I, I will never say everyone because every individual is different, but most individuals with Asperger's syndrome struggle with eye contact in some form. Either they don't give enough eye contact, they don't give any eye contact, or they give too much eye contact. They're, they're staring at the person. So how do you work with that in an interview situation? Uh, for me, I don't always give enough eye contact. Um, the suggestion was made uh, to look at the wall behind the person's head. That's, that's one approach, to try and look in a general direction of the person periodically so that they know that you, they have your attention. Uh, another uh, possibility that, that works well for me is bringing paperwork with you. Bring your resume. Bring a notepad. Having those other things to focus on alleviates the requirement somewhat to provide some of that eye contact. Uh, typically, 
uh, one of two things is going to happen with somebody with AS in, in an interview situation. They're either going to interview extremely well or they're going to interview poorly. And the reason they would interview extremely well um, is because it's like putting on the suit to go to the interview. You have that opportunity to um, build up and, and, and act not necessarily as somebody else, but as the other party would expect in the interview. You only have to hold it together for 45 minutes. You don't have to hold it together day after day after day. So it's much easier to walk into that interview um, and with AS being an invisible disability, you're able to compensate for it for the most part. Now, other individuals on the spectrum may not be able to do that. They may never get past the interview because the, the social contact itself is so exacerbating that they're not able to, to adequately uh, deal with the interview. The best approach to that, practice, practice, practice. Practice interviewing with your friends. Practice interviewing with your family, your teachers. Um, if you have coworkers currently, anyone that you can trust, interview with them. Give them questions. Uh, have them create questions to ask you that you're most likely going to uh, see in the interview. The more you experience it, the better you're going to get at it. Well, I'll tell you what. You just gave some great suggestions because what Peter just said is so true. You know, I tell people no matter what it is you do, whether it's public speaking, singing, or going on an interview, especially if you have any concerns at all, you should practice. And I would do exactly what Peter said. I would go to a friend or family member. I would give them some questions to ask you, and but I would tell them, listen, I want you to be honest with me. You know, if you, whatever I can do to improve, I want you to tell me. And I would do that interview then with another uh, person so that you get the feeling of a new person that you're doing this with to help with that transition. But I, But you could even then... You know, if you still have difficulty with the eye contact, that's where, as Peter said, you could come up with some tricks, such as looking over the person's shoulder, or, or as Peter said, right above their head or at their hair, whatever it would be. But the key is practice. That's what the key is, because some business leaders did call me, and they said to me, Oh, Joyce, I think when the person goes on an interview, you know, the person that interviews them, they're not going to understand why the person seems in some ways rude or is not looking at them. Um, so, you know, don't you think it would be better if the person said before the interview, oh, by the way, I have Asperger's syndrome? What do you think about that, Peter? I think it depends on the situation, but um, as a rule... Uh, I would have to disagree with that. I, I think it places the focus on the disability and not on the individual's skill sets and their ability to uh, to uh, work effectively in the position for which they've applied. Well, I Peter, think... excuse me, Peter is 100% right. Remember the Americans with Disabilities Act? This act says that when you go on an interview... They are not allowed to ask you what your disability is, nor should you tell them. And why I say that is even with epilepsy, I tell people, no, do not tell them you have epilepsy. After you're hired, if you feel 
boy, I want to tell my boss in case I have a seizure, that's your choice after you're hired. But I got news for you. If you go to some employers and you would say on the telephone, hey, listen, I just want to prepare you. I have Asperger's syndrome. I'm telling you now, there are people you'll never get hired. You won't get hired. They will base their whole decision on, oh, my God, this person has epilepsy or they have Asperger's syndrome. Do I I don't think I want to hire them? You do not need to do that. I'm sorry if people have a problem on their end, but you're not going to make it easier for them to discriminate. Come on, 70% of people with disabilities are not even part of the labor force, so we know there's something wrong. You do not tell the person on the interview, oh, by the way, just so you know, I have Asperger's syndrome. Do you understand what I mean, Peter? Absolutely, and I 100% agree with it. Unfortunately, the reality is that there is discrimination out there, uh, regardless of the law, and to provide the the opportunity for an individual with a disability um, in the workforce you need to first be able to get your foot in the door and uh, prove that you can make it that far on your own without the aid of uh, stating that you have a disability on the front end. Well, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, okay, we have a question here for you from Facebook from Tony in Maine. And the question is, um, I wanted to ask you what gave you the courage to even go on a job interview? Um, necessity. Uh, I've, I've heard that uh, many people with Asperger's give up, um, and I imagine that's probably the same for most people with disabilities just because of the situation, and it, it was just unthinkable to me to give up. Um, I've had job positions that haven't worked out because of my Asperger's, um, haven't worked out because of the interpersonal issues that sometimes they create, but I didn't give up. They got up, I brushed myself off, and I went back out and uh, again and got another job and did the best I could. Um, and this was before I was diagnosed. I, was, uh, I wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult, so I was kind of fumbling through blind not necessarily knowing that these all these struggles I was having, there was, there was a reason for them, there was a name for it. Um, so it, it was for me, it was more of a necessity. I, I didn't have a choice. I had to. I had to work. I had to um, put food on the table. You know what? You are truly an inspiration to many people, Peter. I love that. Not giving up. You know, listen, folks. If we all give up, just as Peter said, you know what will happen? You'll be a have-not. You'll be living at home. You won't have any money. You won't be able to function in this country the way other people do. You have to keep at it. No matter what, you don't give up. Under any circumstance, you do not give up. Um, And, Peter, was there a role model or someone in your life that you think influenced you that way? Um, I would have to say that uh, it was probably my father and my father-in-law were the two biggest influences in my life, um, working-class men that just uh, that went through a lot of the transition in the workforce in the 70s and the 80s, 
and I witnessed those things in the in the struggles to to find new skills and new employment and and just uh, as as regular people continue to to move forward. And what did they think when you started working? Um, my father uh, was very proud of me. Um, he he found he thought that uh, the positions that I held were were extremely um, difficult positions in terms of the knowledge base you had to have and and the uh, technical skills that you had to have. Um, so that was some a measure of pride for my father. I was actually the first one in my family to finish my bachelor's degree and then my master's degree too. Well, that's good. Congratulations to you for that. Thank you. Um, and I do think it's a great accomplishment what you have achieved. You mentioned, though, that you didn't know you had Asperger's uh, until you were adult. H- how old were you when you found this out? Uh, I was 30, 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the story. Do you mind sharing with everyone how you found out? Oh, no problem. I actually had a... Um, a meeting with, um, uh, uh, I guess you'll call it like an educational seminar. There were about 250 people in the room, and they were talking about high-functioning autism. And I always pictured autism as this nonverbal um, savant that's playing the piano. Uh, I never really had put much thought into it. And then what had happened um, was when I got there, they started talking about high-functioning autism and specifically moved on to Asperger's. Um, and when they moved on to Asperger's, they uh, started just discussing a lot of the uh, items that I uh, had struggled with throughout my life, poor facial recognition, poor f- name uh, r- recollection, uh, an inability to read facial expressions, or understand another's point of view, um, and the 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 list went on and on, and so they started describing all these things. And my co one of my coworkers had come with me, and she turned her head to me, and said, "Holy crap!" Because it sounded like they were just describing my personality, um, and I, I kind of laughed it off. And then they came through, and they also uh, mentioned the Sally Ann test, which is a test for grade school children to determine if they maybe on the autism spectrum. Um, when I took the, uh, uh, te- when I, when they asked the question, remember there's 250 people in the room, uh, the, que- the question goes like this, um, Sally uh, puts her marble in her basket, Sally leaves the room, and takes the marble out of her basket and puts it in the box. Where will uh, Sally look for the marble when she returns? And the lady goes, how many people think the box? Well, I raised my hand because that's where the marble was, but I also have learned over the, over the years um, to watch others around me, and nobody else in that room of 250 people raised their hands, so mine went down really quickly. Um, but uh, that was just another indication. My wife and I, uh, that weekend, started doing a lot of research on it. The following week, I started looking for um, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists that would uh, diagnose an adult, um, and which are not abundant. And uh, so after a few months of uh, working at it, I finally found someone and uh, I was diagnosed with Asperger's. Isn't that something? Well, we're glad that you, you know, found that out so that you would be able to understand and accept your disability. And anyone else listening to the show today, 
Don't be ashamed. Speak up. It's just part of who you are. And you are listening to Joyce Bender. We're interviewing Peter Rousseau, an advocate for people living with Asperger's Syndrome. This is America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back with Peter Rousseau. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Peter Russo, an advocate for people living with Asperger's Syndrome, I just was telling Peter at the break, and I wanted to tell you, as you all know, my world is employment for people with disabilities. And I wanted to tell you, I have hired people with Asperger's Syndrome, just as I've hired people who are blind or deaf or living with epilepsy. And may I tell you, they have been very successful and continued on in their career. And this is what I say. That's why I tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. There is light at the end of this tunnel. I know it's hard, but you know what? We're all out there in the same situation. So don't give up. Don't give up. Listen to what Peter said. He didn't give up. He just kept on. And that's what you have to do. You have to keep on. So, Peter, we have a lot of college students that do listen to this show, and I wanted to ask you, you know, what is it like for a for a college student living with Asperger's in case someone who is listening to the show today is a senior considering, you know, going to college? 
Well, I think there's two there's two areas to consider. Um, one, if you're living on campus, what's the social situation in the uh, residence hall? Uh, you need to plan for that accordingly. Work with the college. Uh, perhaps work with uh, some of the other students to make sure that you find a good fit for someone to share a room with if that's appropriate for you. Um, you're going to need supports not only in the classroom but in those social situations in the residence hall as well. So preparing for that uh, it involves ideally contacting the college ahead of time and working out a plan that's going to be appropriate for your situation. Uh, in conjunction with that, of course, comes the classroom. Uh, I mentioned, Joyce, on the break, too, that people tend to, uh, with Asperger's syndrome, tend to go on and on, especially with subjects for which they feel passionate about. Um, for instance, in high school, mine was a history class, and I would go on and on and on, not realizing the other students had become bored or were mocking me, um, and it was because I was so passionate about uh, history that I could just, I knew a fact and, and dates and I could go on and on and on. Well, that's going to be an issue in a college uh, classroom, just like it was in the grade school and high school classroom. How do you deal with that appropriately? That is being candid with your professors and coming up with a cue that uh, um, that you will recognize and you won't be offended by. Uh, I read a someone once used cliff notes. So their boss would say to them, cliff notes. Um, and it, it would cue the person in, okay, I need to tone it down and just give the basic information. Um, and it was a quick cue in for that person to, hey, you're going a little too far, we need to rein it in. And so you need to, I'm not saying that that is the proper approach for you, but you need to come up with that solution for yourself based on your foreknowledge of how you handle those situations. And typically when you, when you have Asperger's and you become nervous, uh, you're going to start focusing on your special interests more, which means you're going to talk about it more, which means you're going to stay um, off topic more in the classroom. And that's going to cause social uh, problems with the other students, and that's going to extend beyond the classroom. So in addition to that, as you get to know the other students and you become comfortable with them and you have those that you, can, you feel you can trust, maybe you consider disclosing the Asperger's and explaining it to them. Uh, it's not to say that it's always going to work out nicely if you do disclose, but you need to come up with an approach that the majority of the time is going to work effectively for you. You know what? That is, uh, getting back to that example you gave, that is a great suggestion about telling your professor or even your friends that, you know, if you, if you say you go out, say you go out after work, you know, with a, with a group of friends when you're in college, you know, you could tell one of your friends, hey, if you see me going off too long, or, you know, on and on, here's the word that you use so that I'll have that clue that time to stop. Or, you know, telling your professor that. I think that's a brilliant idea. Thank you. I guess what you have to do is think of every single thing you have to overcome. Yep. Well, this leads me to, as you know, Peter, this is my, other than employment, my biggest topic nationally that I speak about frequently is bullying. 
And as you might guess, uh, since I've done volunteer work with high school students with disabilities for 12 years now, um, and they are wonderful young people, wonderful. But they have, some of them, especially with Asperger's, been bullied brutally. I mean, terribly what has happened to them. So I wanted to talk to you about that, uh, Peter. Can you relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, the, in the school environment, anytime there's differences, you're, you're automatically um, called out, basically. You notice uh, individuals with, uh, who dress differently, individuals who speak with a different accent, um, individuals who walk differently, individuals who aren't good at sports. Those are the people that are targeted. And unfortunately, I just defined half of Asperger's syndrome. You're clumsy. You're not good at sports. You uh, don't dress socially acceptable ways, meaning you're not as concerned about how you look. Um, You don't really care as much about fitting in. You're not paying as much attention to it. When you do, you're not sure if you're doing it right, so oftentimes you make the wrong decision and your dress is, is not acceptable to the norms. For instance, you might have hiking boots on instead of the newest sneakers that are the fad for today. Um, so you you look at those uh, those situations together and you're automatically a target. Um, differences are not celebrated in the school environment. Uh, and those differences, because they're not celebrated, become the cause of your heartache. Um, I remember uh, being bullied by five other students in front of one of the teachers, and it was allowed to happen. Uh, obviously, this was a ways back. This, this was bef- uh, before a lot of the uh, awareness and, and because of things like Columbine that we've experienced in the past 10 or 15 years. But I remember being bullied in high school and the teacher um, looking the other way and allowing it to happen. I remember running, literally running from the school um, with a gang of kids after me. Um, I remember um, in middle school, your, your reaction when you're, even when you have Asperger's, your reaction first is self-defense. You have that fight or flight in you, um, so your first reaction is self-defense. I remember in middle school, um, being a loner on the playground, and I was singled out by this gang of kids. Uh, the kid came up to me and pushed me, um, so I pushed him back. He punched me, so I punched him back. Um, and, of course, a gang of kids began to surround us. Um, and I was uh, in, in the fight with this kid now, and all of a sudden I started feeling these punches. My head was being punched by all these other kids in the crowd. Um, so... I'm learning a very valuable lesson for, well, I don't know if you want to consider it a valuable lesson or not. As is someone with Asperger's syndrome, if you defend yourself, you're going to lose and it's going to hurt. Um, after that, uh, a couple days later, I was walking past the school bus, um, the other kid's school bus, who was, was parked in front of mine, um, and he put the window down on the bus, spit out the window, and the spit hit me in my face. Oh. So, yeah, so what could you do? I mean, I'd already been beat up and to the point where I couldn't really justify defending myself. So you wipe it off, you get on the bus, and you go home. Um, so those are 
those are just some of the situations that I can recall from from my childhood. And I'm sure there's many that are worse than than what I've described. But um, after that, I stopped fighting back um, because there were too many. I mean, it, it was impossible to defend yourself. Um, I also found that when I defended myself, I was getting in trouble um, because it was my word against 20 others. So um, so that stopped, and I, I learned to, ways to kind of get out of school quickly, get ahead of the other kids, um, and just stay away from the situations as much as possible. First of all, that's terrible. That is terrible about the teacher, too. I mean, there's no excuse for this, none, no excuse. What happened to you when those kids started hitting you in the head? Did they all beat you up then? Uh, yeah, and then the um, the assistant principal came out because, of course, they see the kids gathered around. Um, and I remember I was lying on the ground, and my head was hurting, obviously. <laughs> so they, um, the, the, the whole crowd dispersed, and I was brought into the office, and I was going to be suspended until my mother arrived to pick me up. Um, and she she changed their their attitude a little bit afterwards, and uh, I ended up going to the uh, to the um, emergency room after because of the uh, all the punches to the head. They were worried about concussions and everything. But uh, yeah, it was a it wasn't a, a good environment, and I would only hope today that the teachers that are out there and maybe there's some listening are more aware of it and more ready to deal with these situations than they were in the past, better prepared, better educated about these things. And, you know, I hope you do know, because, listen, folks, I have young people with disabilities attempting bully side, which, of course, is suicide as a result of bullying. And, sadly, some of them have been successful. You know, I remember teaching this class in Delaware at CSC to these high school students with disabilities. I clearly remember this one young man with Asperger's raising his hand when we were talking about bullying and telling how when he was in uh, elementary and the beginnings of middle school that every day at recess these kids would beat him up. And I said, well, like, where, where were the teachers? And he said, looking the other way. You know, and they would say things like, oh, it's just a rite of passage. Oh, get used to it. Rite of passage can end up with suicide, folks. Then, then I remember, then I remember my last class. Two of the people in that class were living with Asperger's syndrome, and they told stories of what had happened to them. One young man a few years ago told the story of how when he was in elementary school, he jumped in front of a UPS truck. Now, fortunately, the wheel missed him, and he, of course, lived. But all of these people had Asperger's syndrome, and I don't care what the disability is, just as Peter said, when you're different, what happens to kids in school, it's horrifying. And, uh, Peter, I was very honored to be invited to uh, Capitol Hill and hear two of the representatives speak because, of course, President Obama has that initiative nationally now about stopping bullying. And um, they invited families to also speak. And this one family, their son did have Asperger's, and he used to go home and he would tell his father I was beat up 
And when he would, he'd tell the teachers, the teachers would go to these five boys who were very popular, and they would say, oh, he's lying. We would never do that. He's making that up. And they believed those students. Well, one day, they made fun of this young man so much that one of the kids videotaped it while they were bullying him and showing him cowering in a corner and them calling him names. And worse yet, somewhere in the room was a student or substitute teacher. Guess what? They made the mistake of putting that on YouTube. And he saw it, and he showed it to his father. And needless to say, they had a major ordeal with this school. But, folks, it is not acceptable. Bullying like this is not acceptable. You know what, Peter? I have to tell my students, don't use violence, of course, unless your life is in danger. Don't use violence. Don't hit anyone. You know why? You'll be the one that gets in trouble, not those kids. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you need to you need to think smarter. Um, and oftentimes, I, and I, I know kids, this isn't easy to hear, but oftentimes that means involving an adult. Um, and that means telling an adult what's going on because the situation can spiral out of your control so quickly it, it, it's scary what can happen, and, and the decisions that you make can be life-altering. If you hit another student, um, there is a possibility that that student could be hurt or or injured permanently. And you think, and that may make you feel good to think about that, but it's not good. It will affect you for the rest of your life, and it will not be good. No, it won't. And listen, we're going to talk to Peter Moore as soon as we come back from break. Don't miss it. This is Joyce Bender talking to Peter Russo at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back. We've been talking to Peter Russo, and he is just so courageous. He's talking about living with Asperger's Syndrome, trying to help other people. And I know we don't have a long time until we close the show today, but I want to make sure I get to talk to Peter about a few things. And one, Peter, is for young people listening to the show who uh, are living with Asperger's Syndrome, do you think it would be helpful to them to, you know, join clubs, get involved in different uh, things even while they're in school. Do you think that's helpful? Absolutely. I think it's, it's key. It's key to your success. You cannot um, be successful in the workplace or in school unless you practice your social skills. Your social skills come from practice. Uh, we, with the Asperger's, don't learn them like everyone, everybody else does. They're not intuitive. They're learned. You learn your social skills just like you learn to read, just like you learn to um, to complete math problems through practice. And the only way to do that is to join those clubs. If you don't join those clubs, you're cheating yourself out of an opportunity to practice the social skills. Yes, it's going to be exhausting. Yes, you're going to fall down, and you're going to have to pick yourself back up and brush yourself off and do it again. And yes, there's going to be situations that are not always 100% positive, but you learn from them, and then you move forward. Well, yeah, because obviously if you join National Youth Leadership Council, if you join the American Association of People with Disabilities, but right in your own hometown, if you join you know, Boys and Girls Club, uh, why, uh, something at your church or synagogue, I don't care what it is, but, and while you're in high school, anything involved in the band, theater, uh, debate, chess, the more you get involved, the better it's going to be and the more it's going to help you. Um, and Peter, I feel you have accomplished so much in your life just by getting to where you are right now, since you're right. There are many people living with Asperger's syndrome that have not worked, not been able to work, not been able to overcome these obstacles. So I wanted to ask you, I asked every guest that's been on this show for the past eight years these last two questions. And the first one is, what would you consider as your greatest accomplishment? You know, this one is actually not as easy of a question as I thought it was. Originally, I probably would have said my my education. Um, and I would uh, not be 100% wrong in saying that, but I still don't think that's my greatest accomplishment. I think my greatest accomplishment is, honestly, I'm still here. I'm still standing. Yeah. 
Right. Yes, that is a great accomplishment. I I will go along with that. Um, So speaking of that, Peter, do you have a message that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I'd like to uh, leave a quote from uh, Gail Hawkins. Uh, It's out of the book, How to Find Work That Works for People with Asperger's Syndrome. She said, Asperger's Syndrome is a gift, not a curse, an affliction, or a sentence. People with Asperger's Syndrome are just regular folks who happen to see the world in a unique and interesting way. I owe a great deal to my clients with Asperger's Syndrome. They have taught me about patience, endurance, fear, love, and success. I admire my clients because they get up every morning to face a world that does not make a lot of sense to them. They face each day with few friends and few people who take the time to understand them. They are often isolated and scapegoated in their communities and schools, and yet they keep going. They get out of bed and try again and again to face a world that is often intolerant and cruel. This takes a resilience, courage, and stamina that few other people will ever have to match in a lifetime. Wow. That is a great quote. Peter, would you mind for our listeners repeating the name of the book and the author? Yeah, it would, the name of the book was How to Find Work That Works for People with Asperger's Syndrome. And the author is Gail Hawkins. And listen, folks, if you're looking for someone to speak to your group, this is the man, Peter Rousseau. And if you don't know how to reach him, you can reach him through me at BenderConsult.com or VoiceAmerica.com. But if you get to me at BenderConsult.com, we'll put you in touch. Peter, I just want to thank you because, again, I think you're so courageous getting on this show, talking about your Asperger's, but also wanting to reach out and help other people. And I applaud you for that. I really mean it. Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Peter Russo, a champion for people living with Asperger's Syndrome and a champion for those of us who need to understand Asperger's Syndrome. Well, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or CEO or government official that has impacted the lives of people living with disabilities. Because of what Peter has done on the show today, the quote has to be from the author of the ADA, Tony Quello, who says, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. And isn't that exactly what Peter did today? You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'll talk to you Tuesday next week. This is voiceamerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.